0: Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started.
1: Welcome back. You're here with Kevin Thole and we have my friend Jim as well. And we were just uh, having a little banter with our guest here right before this. So I think just we're gonna a little have... banter, though. Banter's good. So I think we're gonna have a little fun this episode. Um... <laughs> Jim, can you introduce our guest, please?
0: So today I want to bring you a friend of mine. He works in recovery. He has an incredible view on recovery. His name is Zach Scott. Zach, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
2: My name's Zach. I am a substance use disorder counselor at a treatment center in Utah. I have been doing counseling off and on for six years, but I've been working in treatment for about almost 15 years now. I've only had jobs in treatment centers. so I don't really know what a real world job looks like. I have been involved with a couple of nonprofits involved in the recovery realm. I helped start an organization called Addict Advocate out here in Salt Lake. And I've recently been asked to join the board of directors for Addicts Fighting Back, which is a, a local recovery organization that has a natu- national reach. recovery is my passion. It's kind of what I do, it's what I know, it's, it's what I love.
0: And you're good at it. 12 years ago, I worked with you way back when, when I was still at the, at the recovery center that you've actually come back around to and you're back to the place you started and the place you currently are.
2: Ever since I left, it's it's called Recovery Ways is the program. I don't know if you yep, yep. Ever since I left, I've just been looking for something like it and haven't been able to find home. I got the opportunity to go back and I'm home again.
0: So, Zach, tell us how you see recovery.
2: Oof. That's a question right there. I get a lot of flack from the old school big book thumpers. No offense, Kevin.
0: <laughs> Kevin, yeah, Kevin might be, he might be one of those old school big book thumpers.
2: <laughs> right? I am under the impression that the days of one route to recovery are over. We are in desperate need of a renaissance in recovery. Each patient of mine, I encourage them to create their own individual program. I encourage them to investigate, celebrate recovery, all the different 12 step programs. Refuge Recovery, Recovery Dharma, uh, the Red Road to well Wellbriety, Smart Recovery, like whatever different organization that you can that's pro-recovery, I really, really encourage them to dive in, study the crap out of it, and build their own personal program. Because Jim, your program should be different than mine. Kevin, your program should be different than Jim's, etc. Because our problem was different. Our substance use was different. Our issues as to why we use is different why not have a different approach many roads to Rome. let's travel them all let's create our own i i really really encourage that and I, I also like to not use some of the traditional jargon that is used in substance abuse treatment like we often talk about relapse prevention i told recovery ways i'm like i won't teach relapse prevention that is not something that i will touch however i will teach recovery maintenance because th- they're basically the same topic, but the the focus, the emphasis is very different. Like with relapse prevention, just the the term sounds so fear-based, like this thing is gonna happen, we just need to prevent it as long as possible, right? It's very defeating. And in a lot of the the 12-step rooms and in a lot of treatment, you hear that addiction is a fear-based disease. Why would you treat a fear-based disease with a fear-based approach? So I like to use the term recovery maintenance, It's far more future focused. It's far more goal oriented. And like, if you take the 12 steps, literally only one out of those 12 talk about the substance itself. So the substance is only one twelfth of our problem. If we take it literally when we're using recovery maintenance, we're getting the substance use out of the way and we're focusing on the goals that we're wanting to accomplish that are other things that the other 11 steps will address.
1: I really like the term recovery maintenance. I appreciate um the little jab there about being a, a big book thumper. It's uh, it is a, it is a compliment. It is a compliment to me. I'll take it as a compliment. But it is a compliment. Um, you you I, were I'll, so
0: quiet waiting to formulate your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I wish that they could have seen my face because I was grinning, I was smirking. You're you know, almost here's laughing. the thing. I I don't Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said, Zach. I think that the problem that we have is so many of us think that we have a monopoly on recovery. Or, and and I, I'm not saying this like I think that the 12 steps, the, the principles are, are what obviously the 12 steps themselves are what have kept me sober and, and doing it. But that process can look different for a lot of different people. The one thing to remember and the one thing that I love about recovery is we've had other people join the show that have never even been to a 12 step meeting and have been sober for a long time. I think that it's awesome that we're all just kind of on the, the same team, all trying to get out there and help each other. And that's why I'll steal what you said the last time we tried to record this, but we lost the recording because once again Jim and I stink at IT. It
2: wasn't um, you and, and, I that's, and I. I'll it take was, it was me. I'll take it. it <laughs> It was a platform we'll blame that we anybody, were recording on. <laughs> I, I almost forgot we were
1: addicts, but then since we started to blame everybody else but ourselves, it reminded me that we all are addicts. Um, but we, um, we'll take anything that, that makes my recovery stronger. Anything that will make me stronger in my recovery, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I go to a lot of different types of things, talk to a lot of different people, and it helps. But your use of um, recovery maintenance I love it because I, when you, I was in rehab, you know, a lot of people know that for three months and I think I did every week, there was a relapse prevention class Mm -hmm. and it really was fear-based and it was like, it made it seem like the relapse was inevitable. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it was almost like being, being defensive. You know, I think about, this is probably a terrible analogy, but like I'm a big hockey fan. And my St. Louis Blues actually won the Stanley Cup while I was in rehab. So they are taking GoFundMe probably this year to send me back to rehab during the playoffs. But that's that's a story for a different time. Story. My brother-in-law was just- <laughs> Yeah, another story for another. You know, if the hockey team's up by like two or three goals at the end of a game, sometimes what happens is they go into like this defensive shell. And they stop doing the things that were working that got them to the point of winning. And I think in recovery – a lot of times what happens, things start to go good. And then we like sit back and we're like, oh my gosh, okay, now I need to make this relapse that's coming or this trigger that's coming. What am I going to do? When in reality, if we continue to do the actions that, that got us there, the actions that have been successful, it's going to help us stay in recovery and build our recovery up. And that's why that that term recovery maintenance, which I'm going to steal and use, it's really what my program is every day. It's a maintenance Absolutely. program you know, one day at a time, but doing, doing the, the right things and doing that. That's, I guess, what I got to say about all that. So Jim, I think we need to hear from you. We haven't heard from you yet.
0: Well, so it's interesting here because I love the term renaissance. And I actually think the recovery field is going through an evolution, not really a revolution, but an evolution. We are evolving. Because anytime you look at this from a fear-based perspective, you almost have to create a fear-based solution to enforce it. And if you saw me, I'm air-quoting the enforcing. So it's as if, if we can just blame our fear and then create a fear-based recovery program, the fear will keep you sober, which we all know doesn't work. As far as recovery goes, we are evolving and to literally look at a solutions-based aspect on how are you going to create an ongoing solution that keeps you sober. It may be a renaissance movement, but it has to be positive focused. It has to have us looking forward and doing what works and taking the fear out. I mean, one of the things that I don't like about a 12-step program is you have to tell your name and then you have to say what you're addicted to. And it almost brings that shame back into the room like, oh, my name is Jim and I'm a heroin addict. It's like I'm going to start something from a place of smallness as opposed to saying I am committed to my recovery. And I, I agree covenant. with you, Jim. If, if y'all can't see this, but he's laughing. The thing over is, there. is uh,
2: obviously, so, when right? in Rome do as the I'm Romans do, right? Home. When you're at a 12 step <laughs> meeting, that is the culture, that is how you uh, introduce yourself. However, like in the community, I haven't used illicitly in 18 years. I'm not going to go out and introduce myself. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm an addict. That instantaneously has tons of stigma associated with it. If I say, I'm Zach, I'm a person in long-term recovery, that shifts the other person's impression significantly. And when I say a person in long-term recovery, it empowers me. It empowers the person to be to drop their guard, and it also empowers the person who's still out there using, because if we continue to classify ourselves as addicts, though we have X amount of years of recovery, that tells the person who's still suffering, you will always be an addict. And I get the whole, once an addict, always an addict. I think once you have the addiction, it's always there, and it's always a possibility, but you can keep it in remission through your daily actions doesn't mean you are an addict. You have the disease, but it's treated.
0: But don't you think every person on the planet, and I'm going to jump in, and Kevin, I apologize, but don't you think every person in the planet has an addiction to something, whether it's Skittles, whether it's whatever. We all sugar. We all have addictions. It's just when there's a chemical addiction, it creates a pretty horrid result and you, we have to work at that more. Like right now, I haven't really had more than 10 grams of sugar since mid-September. I am a sugar addict. It is my intention not to get back to where I was doing, two to 300 grams of sugar a day. It is a maintenance program. Do
2: you guys know where the word addiction comes from? So it comes from the Latin word adicere or addictionum, which means enslaved to or bound by. And if you look at Webster's dictionary, Webster's Latin dictionary, it expands a little bit. And it says enslaved to, or bound by something in order to repay a debt. And that's the part that I really, really like because with substance use and with a lot of behavioral addictions, we have this perceived debt. Like it helps us solve some emotional issue in the beginning, but in the long run, it actually makes that emotional issues several times worse. So if you're using to treat anxiety, typically you become far more anxious down the road. You become indebted to the, the substance and you feel like that is the only solution for you down the road, even though it's actually creating more for you. And so that term, the root of the word is slavery. Addiction is slavery. Shackle yourself to the substance, to the food, to the behavior, whatever it is. It was first used by Shakespeare and Othello. He was talking about, the uh, the being addicted to this idea of revenge, very much like an Edmund Dantes, it was all consuming. The substance becomes all consuming for us.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I hear we'll get I back see you about to the to whole bite through your 12 list. step thing here in a minute and, and identify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was over here. I agree with everything I I used. My my solution was drugs and alcohol and gambling. So I had anxiety. I had all these other things. I had unresolved childhood trauma that I didn't deal with all kinds of stuff. So I numbed myself with those things and all of those things got worse. And then when everything came crashing down and I finally had to stop, I still had to deal with all those things, which uh, and still do like it's still a process for me. And you know we had you had said something earlier just about like how it's each day is how we stay sober, and there is a good, good book that says what we have is a daily reprieve based on our spiritual condition thump thump, and I let everybody out there guess what book that is <laughs> uh it's blue, and you can get it at almost a lot of different places, yes, as I thump it, but also you know we, we can anybody who's listened to this podcast at all knows that like I'm probably like a little more simple and a little bit more like it is what it is type guy. Jim's definitely more philosophical and Zach is very intelligent and very philosophical. I'm wondering if there's a correlation to like how I am as a human being and and why I'm so like saying, I'm Kevin, I'm an alcoholic or I am Kevin, I'm an addict. That doesn't even like bother me. And how you said you wouldn't just go up to someone and say, hey, I'm an alcoholic, an addict. I do it in public settings. Like when people are like, do you want to drink? I'm like, no, I'm a raging alcoholic. If I drink that, I'm going to destroy this entire situation. You and a lot of it's maybe my personality where go ahead. You have the blessing of an identity outside
2: of the substance. So many people do not, especially when they're new. Like you have family, you have career, you have education, you have all this stuff outside of the substance. But so many people, their sole identity is the use. Does that make sense?
0: And the other thing, Kevin, that you have is you've done the work to heal yourself to the point that your past can't haunt you. Those that have done the deep healing as you have, they may be able to say it without any judgment or guilt. You are one of the few people I know, you have literally healed yourself to the point that you're solid. You say that you're a simple man, you're actually a deeply confident man, and the healing that you have done has literally, not only has it aided in that confidence, but you can use your social stature to assist others and show them that there is, that this is what successful recovery does. Does that make sense?
1: It makes sense. And that's where like the stigma thing that you had said earlier, Zach, is like, for me, I'm, and what I mean by simple is like, kind of it is what it is for me. It's like, I I guess my recovery was more like, I don't know the the right way to put it, but it was like a process. It was like, honestly, (laughs) uh, like a stairwell almost with 12 steps no i'm just joking um, but it was like it was like a, a slow process of things happening this healing and 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 getting things out there and then doing the right things and now helping people and all of that and that's that's everybody's recovery so call it 12 steps call it whatever you want we kind of just clear our life up everything kind of clears up because like you said we're not a slave to that substance anymore that's the beautiful part of this whole deal is is that and as far as the stigma goes, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that I have like this special calling in life or anything like that. Man, if I can just get people to hear out, like, you know, I'm not, I'm a get business guy. Um, we've had a lot of me and my my business partner, both are pretty successful right now. We're having a good year, really good year. And the fact is we're both in recovery. It's kind of cool to be able to tell people that because they're like, Oh, really? You know, they, they kind of almost are like, well, you don't look like you're that, you know, or anything like that. So just changing the stigma that, you know, we like the three of us on this, we're all we can see each other. None of you can see us. None of us look like raging, degenerate drug addicts. That's because who knows what that even really looks like? You know, it's, it's, it's just a, it's all a stigma and all a thing where it's we just have these perceptions
2: in our mind. The research says that 10 percent of all adults in the country will experience will warrant a diagnosis of a substance use disorder at one point in their life or another. That equals out to be like thirty, close to thirty-five million people. That thirty-five million, very very small portion of it is the stereotypical gutter junkie dude under the viaduct with a paper bag. Very very few, small percentage. The majority are white collar, blue collar individuals who work, who have jobs, they pay taxes, they have family, they are on the PTA, they all, they do all these things. What we think an addict is is not at all what an act is it's our neighbor it's our brother it's our sister it's our family it's our friends it's all these people close to us
0: zach you're speaking from how we look at it now i think of the andy griffith show growing up that drunk was a very obvious bumbling drunk I think about just a lot of the movies. The addicts in those movies are not portrayed as any one of the three of us in this or anyone that we see. They literally have a different label. You can tell that they have an issue. That's not true these days. And I really think that's why recovery has to evolve because it is our neighbor. Again, Kevin, I mean, you and your business partner are doing the work. To really turn your life around to the point that the self-confidence level you have around your recovery is nothing but stellar and strong, as is that. Two
1: things, and then two things, really quick. First off, Jim, thank you for aging yourself by saying the Andy Griffith show um, Andy because Griffith, it made man. me and Zach feel much better about ourselves and our age. So thank that was you, my dad's show, but that was my dad's show. Exactly. Really, wow. Exactly. Um, Second <laughs> Your Dad show. There you go. That makes more sense. Yeah. Killing me, Kevin. Secondly. Me. Secondly, this one will this will redeem myself. Secondly, my my business partner, Matt, and, and he'll be joining an episode soon. We both have a pretty good coach. Shameless plug there for you, Jim. So that's been extremely helpful for us. To get to that level, and I think at this point we're going to continue on, but we are going to go ahead and close out this episode of Part One. Time really flies when you're having fun because I just looked at the timer. So, um, if you're listening to this, thank you so much, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening, please like, share, and uh, just tell your friends about this. We want to get out and and reach out to more people. Yeah. The more people that, that listen to it, the more people that that can we can help. There you go. Because
0: we are the evolution of recovery.
1: That was deep. Thank you. Thanks again, Zach.
0: Thanks, Zach.